We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at bluewirepods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. We are recording from what? This is like week two of self-quarantine for us. Hopefully, everyone else listening has uh, joined us by now and making sure you guys are also quarantined, taking care of yourselves, your family, and those around you. Um, To anyone affected by the coronavirus, um, you know, within your direct family or people you may know, or even through work, you know, all of our prayers and concern go out to you guys. Thank you for still listening and rocking with us through this situation. Man, it's 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 wearing on all of us to be inside, but, you know, we're making the best out of things. And one way this week that has kind of kept me sane is talking to the reverse rat pack in our group chat. And last night, last night, for some reason, Andreas tried to put me on blast on Twitter off of a very normal, non-hot take conversation that was happening in our group chat. Dre, why'd you have to do me like that? Because you're utterly ridiculous. I mean, you got to give context. Nobody just puts you on blast for no reason. Like, you earned this one. It was, no. uh, yeah, well, you know, it started with, well, 
here's how it actually started. I was just going all through the web. I think I was watching NXT and AEW, and uh, I was came across a clip of The Office, and it was the uh, which clip was it? It was a clip where Michael Scott uh, asked Toby why he is the way that he is. And it made me think, and I, I was like, so I was like, I went down the rabbit hole of Office episodes. I was like, yeah, it's about time to watch this shit again. Office is one of my top five sitcoms of all time. So I asked the group chat who watched it and who didn't. Uh, a few people had never watched it, which I told them to fix that. And then I asked, what's the top five sitcoms of all time? And uh, everybody gave the, you know, a pretty cool list. And then here you come, obviously put with your friends bullshit. You put it at what number two. You know how much I like Friends. Yes, it is the second greatest sitcom of all time. Okay, whatever. And then, then <laughs> you know, I'm talking about my top five, and I'm trying to figure out what my number five spot is. And for whatever reason, I didn't think, and it's, it's the Cosby Show. And here you come talking about Cosby Show is like not even top twenty five. Come it's on, not man. in my top twenty five. You're nuts. It is not, and that's that's where I hear the record scratch. So for a second, uh, Justin Ivey was in our group chat was with me like yo you know what bill cosby really didn't do it for me maybe there's like an age gap uh you watched the cosby show uh while it was actually on air i watched it through nick at night and through reruns which is also how i watched a lot of other things but the cosby show was never my show like, i never felt an attachment to it i always thought it was whack like i get why people like it so maybe i shouldn't call it whack but it was like mid to me like there's better shows. Fresh Prince of Bel Air is better. Absolutely not. I like Family Matters. Absolutely better. not. Oh, Fresh Family Prince of Bel Air. There's, are you there's nuts? no comparison. No comparison to Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That, that, that is, that is ridiculous. Fresh Uncle Prince Phil of Bel- is better than Cliff. No. Well, no. there's no character no. like Will on in the Huxtable family. Oh my God. Because at that point, there's something relatable for everyone. Like, Will came from the hood in Philly. He dressed like normal teenagers dressed. He had the the kicks, the music, the bounce was there. And you saw a, a legit, stable, affluent black family, but with a cast of characters that had a little bit of everything. I didn't get that from the Cosbys. The Cosby Yo. was so different than everything else. It's like they completely... Oh it was opposite ends of the spectrum. Like, they didn't even go with the middle ground. They went crazy to the left of, congrats, you have a two-family house or a two-parent household and your family are doctors and you told me yesterday they were shopping for paintings and shit. Cool. Like, good, your dad does dad jokes that aren't funny and he's the pudding guy. Like, I, I never got into it. Yo, what the it, it fuck not, is wrong not with you? For me. Oh my god! No, look, not look, at look. All. First not and foremost, all. first and foremost, they were the first black family on TV. Well, I mean, the Jeffersons owned the laundromat, so and they came from all in the family. But they were uh, an affluent Sanford and Son, wasn't that? Like, Come on, if they own a junkyard, there was a doctor and a lawyer. Yeah, they in were the an house. owner, but I'm saying okay. there was a doctor and a lawyer in the Cosby Show house. First and foremost, right. before anything else, and there was a, yes, it was a two parent home, but you didn't have that on TV prior to the Cosby show. There there would be no Uncle Phil if it wasn't for Cliff Huxtable. I guarantee you that. And then on That's top fair. Like I could give him credit for being the first. No, 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 no. Mean Wait, stop. Best? Stop. Yes, by far the best. Every no, family wanted to be like the Huxtables. Equate. Because that family was a nuclear family that they grew together. They didn't flaunt their riches in your face. I didn't understand the auction episode when they was going to buy a painting, which was by black painters or when they went to the studio with Stevie Wonder or when they took tap lessons or any of the things that they did 
they, it wasn't overtly like we're rich, we got money. They treated it as a normal day to day, and they treated their kids normal day to day. They just had money. So the, the premise of the Cosby Show laid the foundation for every show that you've seen since then. Because there's never Cosby been shows in Brooklyn, right? Yes, they own a brownstone in Brooklyn. They own a brownstone, which is cool. I know black people own brownstones. I will let you know this: as unrealistic as people always constantly tell me Friends is, in which I can tell you how it is realistic for white yuppie kids and kids who live in Long Island to do the shit that went on in Friends. So regardless, a lot of people say it's unrealistic. I say, no, it's not. Um, equally, a family in the 80s, which is another reason why it didn't relate to me. Like, I understand there's affluent black families. Yes, everything's not touched for everything. But you're telling me that these things weren't like in your environment. You're in Brooklyn in the 80s. Yo, like, how'd your kids you... get to school? What school did they go to? What are you talking about? Until they went to college, like, I I really liked A Different World because it showed stuff I recognized. Yo, you, even... are, you are embarrassing yourself right and now. And it made me want to, like, look into HBCUs. Didn't you go to HBCU because, it, like, influenced by that? And it made it look dope, and you saw all these different perspectives. To me, the Cosbys didn't give me a bunch of different perspectives. How did they, they gave wait, me... That means the, you, you the didn't watch the show. rainbows. Come, cut it out. Cut it out. Because you didn't watch the Cosby show if you're going to sit there and fix your mouth to say some shit like that. You, this is embarrassing. Because the Cosby shows gave you all types of walks of life. Because they had cockroach. They had Bud. They had, there was, they had Kenny who lived across the street. He used to always run home. I remember Kenny. But they yeah, had, they had so that. many different episodes that tapped into a lot of things. They weren't overtly black like a different world was. But they were black. They were black without having to yell it in your face. And they were black and affluent. And to say it's unrealistic, what's unrealistic about Friends is they ain't having to I fucking... Just, wait, wait, hold on. What, what's unrealistic about Friends is they lived in New York and you never saw black people until when? What season? Four. Four. You gonna tell me you live in New York and didn't have any, any interaction with black people? I will tell you this. I didn't have a white person at my school growing up in New York. I had two Jewish you. kids. I'm asking you about friends. But I grew up in New York, and friends in the same way. Who, so if you're talking to me about New York up. neighborhoods guess and segregation and how, yes, there can be Italian neighborhoods, Little Italy, you can go where they, months without where, seeing a black person where if you they don't live, want to. Where they live? The village. Oh. Soho. Oh. And you wouldn't see any black people in Soho? Is that what you're telling me? No, you see some black people oh, in Soho. Oh, okay. All right. Spanish people. There was a lot of Spanish, a good amount of Spanish so, people. So, okay. So, back to your Cosby show slander. Where you're but saying what, what, what hurt is, uh, friends is, is that they weren't filmed in New York, by the way. But, yeah, continue. Yeah. But, I mean, the premise of the show it was felt a like a studio people. lot. Yeah. And, and can we also be honest? Like, who was living in, in, what were they doing to live where they lived in New York? Well, I'll tell you this because I've watched every episode and know every word. I don't Monica got that apartment when her grandmother got sick and put in a home and it was rent controlled. So in order to not give it up, she moved into that apartment and that's why she was in there. And there was one episode where she almost got kicked out because her name's not on a lease. And then they broke like the trash compactor, yada, 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 it doesn't matter. So as someone who pays monthly bills on a place that is rent controlled because my grandmother has owned it forever i know how much rent costs in a rent controlled place now compared to the two what was that 90s they were paying pennies for that dope ass apartment so i clearly understand how her 
Rachel, who didn't work for like the first two seasons, and the size to live in a rent control spot. What about the size? Yep, of it? my my grandma's spot is that exact same size. In Soho, walk-in closet, two bedrooms. No, I mean oh, okay. we're on the water in the Bronx. Yeah, okay. But in Soho, but I understand how much rent control would be there. Yeah, well, so I understand that it is possible if it's handed down to you. But, so that is a loophole that people don't understand. And when you're young kids from Long Island, like they were from Long Island, country club parents. Yes, that those things happen when your family has money and leaves stuff to you. So you're saying the Cosby show is unrealistic? No, I'm saying I didn't. I looked at it at the time. And when I try to go back and watch it and say Brooklyn that I grew up in, maybe this was a little bit before I grew up in and shit was worse before I was growing up in New York. To say that, like, your family is like, how do you guard from crack and the epidemics? And what was going on in New York at the time? How does that not play into your show? In but they had family dynamics. They had family dynamics that all shows must have. So yeah, like the kids would go through this here, this there. But it, to me, it was the utmost sunshine and rainbows to show that this type of black family could work on television. That, and it didn't interest me. Like, how does the sunshine and rain? Like, again. Like, again, the Fresh Prince was more interesting to me because it was less sunshine and rainbows. Like, Will had a history of inner city shit that they blended perfectly into an affluent family. And that dynamic is what made Fresh Prince so dope to me. Is that, that it was like Carlton was, you know, the Poindexter, but Will's friend would come from the hood or this. Will still was having a battle, going back and forth, like, is this too much for me? Do I deserve this? Uncle Phil work came from the hood. Not that Cliff didn't, but they these were always aspects built into every show was that dynamic. What? And it kept it more grounded. It doesn't it, it wasn't okay. as sunshine as let, rainbows let, let's, as the Huxables were. Let's let's go ahead and dissect this for real, for real. How many people did that you know came from Philly in the hood and got to move to a rich, affluent family where the father was a judge in Bel Air? This is Bel Air we're talking about. You talked about the Cosby show being unrealistic. Uncle Phil was a judge in Bel Air. Yeah, I don't listen. Uh, okay. Went to, he, went, he went to black college. He moved to Bel Air. I don't okay. know how he got there. And now we're talking about the Hustables where you talked about a family that, yes, the mother and father worked hard to be a lawyer and a doctor. And mm -hmm. on top of that, their kids weren't all sunshines and rainbows. Denise was a fuck up. Theo was a fuck up early. Vanessa was a fuck. They all had their fuck ups. This wasn't a, just a sunshine and rainbow show. That's why I have to question you because I, I don't feel like you really watched the show. I just feel like you I passed did, the judgment I, on it. I did, and I never liked it. Like I didn't watch. Like I can't mm. go back and tell you episode for episode because I never liked it. I didn't ask you and to tell me episode real. for episode. It's like no, but I'm just I'm telling on, you, like you're judging an artist on but, one album and you didn't if, listen yes to their if i don't like it or if every time their radio single comes on and people are like yo this is dope and i'm like yeah i don't like them we talked about this with jay electronica like you know what i'm probably never going to be a jay electronica fan because i've listened to him several times now over the course of years and i just don't like them yeah but you like, listen no, to jay electronica though that. that's the difference you clearly didn't watch the cosby show if you can sit there and tell me it was all i watched the i watched the cosby show like i watched it there was only so much you could watch before the Netflix days and Nick at night was like my specialty being up at all times of the night and being a night owl Nick at night was the specialty WGN played crazy shit at night 
I, I watched all of these shows. I got into Friends. I got into uh, shows like Cheers. I got into... I watched Murphy Brown for a period Bruh, of time. Bruh, you said like, The Nanny was better than The Cosby City. Show. City. This is yeah, the, I'd rather watch the nanny. Dog, than this the is show. this is where you fly off. And the they handle. were on like back to back nights. This isn't this is where you fly, this is why you get criticized because it's not like Fran you're just Dressing saying it wasn't your bag. You're putting trash ahead of it. Like that was clearly trash. The nanny? Are you serious? The nanny was trash. Come on, like like, you're comparing it to the Cosby Show? Like you just compared um, Jaquan's Tipsy to Illmatic? Come on, bro. <laughs> Yo, it's not Illmatic. Come, but okay. It's a good album. Is it the it's, Genesis? It's is it the Genesis if, of black television for a lot of people? Is it the If I had to be objective with its accolades, with everything, okay, I wouldn't rank it out of a tw- top 25 list, list. If I had to be objective. If I had to say my 25 list, it ain't making it. But if I had to be objective, I understand what it said. Oh, you said the nanny. For. You can't, like, the nanny. I, I like the nanny better than the I like The nanny. Yep, Fran Dresser, Maxwell Sheffield. Bruh, you, you say all, like you say you're talking about the, the Fresh Prince being this realistic show. I ain't never seen the Cosby Show. Well, shit, no. Aunt Yetta, like, I know everybody from the uh, nanny. Come on, the Fresh Prince. They switched Aunt Viv and had little Nikki. That didn't oh, jump the shark for you. Oh, that was that was weird. I'm not gonna. Uh, yeah, lie. yeah, that, it was that trash. Was um, and look, I didn't look. think. Obviously, no one thinks the new Aunt Viv was as dope as the old Aunt. No, Viv. but but to be clear, like I like the first. But Prince, they also had good stuff. But I'm not gonna sit here and say that I'm not gonna say that the na- like homeboys from outer space was better than the Fresh Prince. That would be blasphemy. And that's what you're doing. No, I say I like it more. No, no, I do. You, it's higher on my list. My top twenty-five list is trash. Cosby's not in my top twenty-five. In the top 25, if I had to be objective, dog. Cosby's what? Top 10, fringe 10? I don't feel like you've ever watched the full season of the Cosby's. I don't feel like you ever watched the full season of the Cosby's. I couldn't get through a full season. Again, and we talked about this in our group chat, which takes a long time now, but Nick and I used to show four episodes at a time. Out of so, order in syndication, which means yeah, completely out of t- so context. So I would watch maybe four or four, so that's eight in a row, and then not watch for like the next two days because, you know, you just don't stay up as late or whatever, and then catch it that next Tuesday and watch Tuesday, Thursday. So, like, you get four groups of fours, but there's sitcoms that immediately catch you no matter what uh, what order you catch them in. Like Seinfeld, you could throw me in season two, you could throw me in season seven, and I'm hooked. Yeah, I got I to revoke your black card. Seinfeld's great sitcom all the time. I love First. Seinfeld. Two, and I like other black sitcoms just more than the Cosby's. I like, I really like A Different World. I used to watch A Different World all the time. I like, what, the last season of A Different World, a little bit went off the rails. But I also think that A Different World had one of the best endings of any sitcom. Yeah. It tied it in. The story actually made sense. It tied it in. It was a happy ending. It ended how it should have. I mean, I, look, I love A Different World. But there's... Yeah, so just, just that, the, Fresh Prince. Um, Martin is no, dope you, besides the end. Um, uh, a lot of... Living Singles was good, except for the last season. Uh, like, I really like Living Singles, except for the last season. Martin was overrated, and I'm going to get this from a lot of people. Martin was incredibly overrated. Woo! Over... I don't know. The highs, the highs were high. The highs were high, and the, and the highs were two seasons. You also did. You also say Jamie Foxx show was better. Yes. Martin? Yes. That's tough. No. Here's why. It's tough because the end of Jamie Foxx show went off the rails too. No, no, no. no. Here's why. Like, let's really put this in the context because listen, oh, I got to crack my claw. Yeah. Go ahead. The, Martin was a great show for <laughs> two seasons. 
two. As soon as as soon as Martin got the television show, is when it began to fall off. Once he was oh, done with, because okay. so if the best, if you all the best episodes of Martin were in the first two seasons, the Varnell episode with Tommy Davison, the one with Biggie, the one with Tommy Hearns, all these episodes happened in the first two seasons. In our mind, the Martin's run was a lot longer than it was. Third season started falling off. Fourth season was uh, they got married. I, that, that like the third season was a cult, and when he came back from the cult, it started to become a character show. Where everybody started to be a character and he didn't really have a lot of continuity. Fourth season was whatever. Fifth season was when Gina wasn't on ten episodes because she had the sexual harassment thing with Martin, and yeah, you could feel the tension on that show because it just didn't yeah. make sense anymore. Gina was just gone. Jamie Fox, if you go back like Jamie Fox, if you watch it now, like the uh, the traffic school episode with Mark Curry. Or the Jingles episode. <laughs> Everybody remembers the Traffic the Jingles School episode. episode. The Traffic School episode with Mark Curry. Was dope. When, when Mark Curry told him to sing it like Prince. Listen. Yeah. Ja- Mark Curry is wildly underrated. Wildly underrated. But the Jamie Foxx held up longer than Martin. Martin was great in a burst. Okay. It was it was like, I always use that theory, it was the Gilbert Arenas of television shows. When it was hot, it was on fire. But it was gone. Like Damn, Gilbert? Gilbert, <laughs> yo, a- Gilbert, was Agent Zero not the best player in the league for like a hot second? He gave, hot, yeah, and like he gave LeBron the blues eight too? months, right? Yeah, like and w- eight months. But w- when we think about it, like some people, they cashed out. They glorify the Gilbert Arenas era, but it wasn't that long. In the Martin era, we glorify the era of television, but it was only two seasons. It was like there's five seasons of the show. I hated the fifth season. The fourth season, I really was checking out. And I watched the third season. I was like, I didn't like this as much. I've went back and watched the Jamie Foxx show. It, held, it holds up better. Jamie Foxx show, Bernie Mac show, both hold up extremely well. Family Matters ages terribly. Laura, I, yeah, Laura Family is, Matters not as dope anymore. Like Laura um, is a, a horrible human being. She is. Sean, <laughs> that that Laura, it, Laura is going back. And I watch uh, How I Met Your Mother. Laura and the one of the main characters from How I Met Your Mother, Robin, are probably my two of my worst or most hated characters in sitcom history because they are just horrible human beings. The like strange. the way when Stefan Urkel showed up, the way Laura would just flip on Steve and Steve is still going after. Steve had it fucked up from the beginning, yo. Steve had his girl right there. Myra. And just wanted something else. Myra was the shit. Myra looked better than Laura too, but you know. Oh, hands down, hands down. So yeah, now nah, that that was whack. Uh, Wayne's Brothers had a nice run. Uh, I'm um, I'm not a big fan. of It Wayne's was corny Brothers. and cheesy, but I I liked it. They had a good dynamic. I, I liked Wayne's Brothers more than I like a lot of their movies. Yeah, like my thing about the Wayne's um, Brothers is like I won't say it's trash. Like it has some decent episodes, but I've never been a Wayne's Family fan. And I say this after Damon and Keenan. Once it got to Sean and Marlon, I just wasn't really a big fan. Hmm. Okay. Like I thought. I mean, I like senseless. I guess I do like some of their movies. Senseless White Girls. Like scary, mo- are, scary movie and scary movie. The first one and White Girls are hilarious. But I feel like yeah. Marlon's brand of humor isn't really for me and like and don't be a menace don't be a menace was amazing um but i feel like they like they peaked with keenan and damon like in living color was the wayans that was like keenan and damon for sure and kim but then after that it was just like i just wasn't a huge fan now the wayans brothers i damon jr is killing it now but damon jr is killing it like the wayans brothers show i i watched it i just like i I, 
Jamie Foxx shows in high regard because Jamie Foxx is like the most underrated actor slash musician slash comedian ever. I don't think I don't think Jamie will ever get the credit he deserves. Like that man is absolutely phenomenal. Agreed. And I think we had that conversation. We he did. was better than someone, but we had like a crazy conversation about that. I say he's better than Will Smith. I, I know that much. Yeah. To address why, and some people are like, oh, you don't like black sitcoms. You got a lot of white sitcoms. And I would just tell you this. It is not that I don't like black sitcoms. When judging the overall nature of a sitcom and how great it was, black sitcoms for a long time. And I think blackish might be the only one different now. Maybe we're seeing a turn, but black sitcoms always got the shaft end of the stick. So they were never able to finish as strong as white sitcoms. They weren't able to go as long. They weren't able to have the the depth in storytelling and the opportunities white sitcoms had. And that's the only reason I have so many white sitcoms in my top 10. Because guess what? Living Single would be better than Friends on my list if it had the 10 seasons and it wasn't cut short and didn't have a true finale and the last season didn't have... Like a lot of bullshit went there where they weren't getting their money, they weren't getting paid correctly, they were screwed because they were black. So the sitcom itself was hurt due to that. Yeah. But many were. Look, look, I my like one of my favorite like the office is in my top five. Office, Seinfeld, yep. Curb, um, and Arrested Development. Again, big budgets, long seasons, not arrested know, long shows. Not arrested no, arrested development. development, opposite. Way too um, of its time. But I could say the same thing for like uh Undeclared is is a sitcom I liked. One season. Judd Apatow got cut that quick. Um but in general, a lot of the white show, uh, Always Sunny, that a lot of people had on their list in a group chat. Long runs, a lot of money behind it. Let them tell their stories for a long time. A lot of black sitcoms did not have that run. You know which one did? I know you're going to say the that. Cosby the Cosby show. show did. <laughs> it was the number one television in all households. Yeah, it's like eight, eight nine years. Right? Yeah, crazy. we can move on because after... Cause yeah, everybody else is gonna, gonna be. They've had it with you after. What's that. your top five to finish this? Right now, my top, top five, five, in no particular order, is I just said it: Curb, The Office, Cosby Show, Arrested uh, Development, and Seinfeld. Okay, I had Seinfeld, Friends, uh, Curb. Then I had, I think, Fringe was How I Met Your Mother, and something else was tied up there. Um, I know I'm forgetting like two of them in my list. I had like six as a cheat. Um, but Curb is definitely up there. Oh, The Office, of course, is four. Um, and then, yeah, How I Met Your Mother is like fringe five for me. I hate the last season, so I might have to bump that off for something else. I got to really get back into Always Sunny. Yeah, me too. And see how that hits because a lot of people say that's really funny. Oh, Parks and Rec. Love, I love Parks and also Rec. also tied for my fifth. I love Parks yeah. and Rec. Again, the highs are really high in that show. The lows are kind of low. Yeah. I mean, but um, like, I thought it was really good. Like, the, the funny-ass episodes and funny laughs are really high. Like, I'm going to do another rewatch of The Office just because. Because the shit is fucking hilarious. Like, yeah. Mike, to me, Michael but Scott. But it takes a dive when Michael leaves. Well, like, yeah, it does. That hurts. I yeah, mean, so that that's why it's only like four. Every, like, it can never go higher than four or five. Every show has that. Like, I talked about Married with Children when it jumped the shark. Like, I was big on Roseanne as a kid growing up. And I watched it as I got older. And I was like, I really like this show. And then it jumped the shark when they got rich. 
And I was like, I can't watch this shit anymore. Yeah. Between that and switching off out, of a chopped cheese. Yeah. And it, by the way, the gentrification. The uh, chopped cheese. The other thing with Roseanne that I did enjoy that the Fresh Prince should have done is acknowledging that they changed Becky. I thought that was always the funniest shit about Roseanne is they would see Becky and was like, you look different today. Because they switched it. <laughs> they tried to carry that shit out with on the Fresh Prince. Like, we weren't supposed to notice that Ann Viv had automatically did the Michael Jackson vitiligo shit and became a light-skinned woman. <laughs> They didn't even try to get another dark-skinned woman. No, they didn't even try. Like, yeah, that was whack. I, I was out on the Fresh Prince after that. I was done. Little Nikki was <laughs> mad corny. I hate Little Nikki was kind of oh. corny. But I like the college aspect. Tyra did her thing on that show when she came in. Um, Jada was on there for a second. So they had cool, like, little dynamics. That yeah, was cool. I'm just saying, Fresh Prince, I liked it. It's just Cosby Show is, like, the pinnacle and peak of black television and busted down the doors for it's like yeah again it's like uh maybe it's like uh, the Eric B and Rakim of uh black television. See, I I think it's the Run DMC and I'm okay. I kudos to Run DMC for being hip hop pioneer. I'm no, it's not. They're never going to be that high on my list of hip hop, and that's how I feel about the Cosby Show. Yeah, you broke a lot of barriers. Run DMC, blah blah blah. That's cool. Eric B and Rakim is always going to be better. It's going to be more more relatable to me. And that's like Fresh Prince. It's going to be dope. It's more like the street. I just don't know how you find it relatable when he moved to Bel Air. Because Will took all those characteristics with him. And I was a kid who later on in life, not at this time while I was watching it, but I moved from New York, as did you, to Vegas, which when I moved to Vegas, no matter, I wasn't living in like Bel Air or like a rich, but I had a fucking window at school that served any type of lunch that I wanted. Like I went to high schools and and like a semester of middle school or late middle school where it was like, yo, this is things I've only seen on like 90210 and like, you know, crazy white teenage shows. Like it's like Boy Meets World to me. It was always sunny outside. It was, I got to Vegas and I was like that. I felt like Will Smith when I moved with my mom. I was like, yo, that shit's crazy. Yeah, see, I felt like I was going to Bel Air and I had to rock my fitteds. I moved from New York to Vegas and got poor and lived in Crack Alley. That was, that was <laughs> I mean, that was my experience. I moved from, like, I had, we had a house in New York in Rockaway, and we lived with all white. I went to a Catholic school, a private school with a bunch of white kids, and I moved to Vegas, and a bunch of shit happened, and I ended up living in the hood across the street from the Boulevard Mall where they sold crack every day, and I, I be, you know, I... This is where, you know, you cut your teeth. Like, gang, I was introduced to gang culture. That, none of that shit exists in New, New York. So it wasn't, like, mine was not, so, mine went from sunshine to rainbows to total shit overnight. <laughs> so, yeah, we're on opposite end of the spectrums there. Yeah, so mine, mine was more Fresh Prince than uh, anything else. But, okay, we talked about sitcoms for a second. We have to touch on another, at least combat sports, pro wrestling related show now. And that's Dark Side of the Ring. And it's back for a second season. We both enjoyed the first season. And Dark Side of the Ring comes out. And I remember when the first season ended. We talked about what we wanted to see on the second season if it was to come back. Immediately, both of us said Chris Benoit. And they went out. Not only did they do that, I'm not sure they could have done it any better. Yo. That was was a lot. Two hours. Heavy. That dog, that was a lot. Um, my God. First, yeah. For, first of all, let's talk about how Vice has completely fallen off after Jesus and Mero left. Like, 
completely. This is all they got. This is it. I don't watch it at all. Yeah. But now, yeah. um, this was so well handled. It was amazing to me that they, they got so many people to talk with, that used to be in the WWE and that actually worked when Benoit was there. It's crazy because obviously there's nobody from WWE there. But it's like Vicky, Chavo, Chris Jericho. I mean, that... Malenko. Yeah, Malenko. I mean... Who had just recently left a year ago, right? Right. Like, they must have got him as soon as he left. Because he left and then showed up at StarCast, what, last May? When we did Wrestling With Stereotypes. Yeah, so the fact that they got all this talent to uh, to talk as in-depth about Benoit and the Eddie Guerrero angle is what really made this hit home for a lot of people because those if you never knew about the Benoit story you never knew about his relationship with Eddie Guerrero and how that affected him and for those of us that knew about Benoit and Guerrero's relationship we didn't know the exact gravity of how it affected Chris Benoit when Eddie passed and all of that like Chavo talking about Eddie dying in his arms like this was this was a heavy 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 episode heavy and it, it the Victorian part more than anything else is David Benoit still acknowledging, like, that's my dad. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was the hardest part for me because it's like, your dad's a monster to the rest of the world, but to you, he was just dad. And you got to live with that for the rest of your life. That's crazy. Because he saw dad do one bad act, one horrendous act, but the rest of the time, like, he's never seen dad do anything besides be a Superman wrestler nice take him on trip you know their bonds seem to be super deep and then he just finds out that your dad did this and i'm sure it had to be years of disbelief and you see everything in front of you but it's still like yo this not the person i knew and then as you grow up and then you you look just like the guy yeah Yeah. which is like you you can't avoid it so people are like oh he wants to wrestle just change his name for what are you, is he going to show up on the screen as, you know, John John Henderson? And you're going to be like, yo, that guy looks like fucking Chris Benoit. Like, you, you can't dodge it. No. The guy, it, it's, it's so, so tough. And I feel bad for him because it's almost, I, I don't know, it felt like to a degree Chris couldn't be punished. By the industry, by those around, by by people who felt he did so much wrong and it invoked all this this rage or, you know, just emotion inside of him. So inadvertently, David was punished for it. Yes. The Benoit family is cursed. That last name is cursed. And he's got to deal with that for the rest of his life. I mean, the documentary itself for it to be two parts. Yeah, I was wondering, like, how are they going to cover the ground? I've read a lot about the Benoit thing because I've always been curious about why he did it. I mean, to this day, nobody will ever know what happened for those days. No. And the most harrowing thing to me, more than anything else, is, yes, obviously he ki- killed his son. And that was troubling. And that was like, I mean, that was really over the edge. But the fact that he stayed in the house and they were dead yeah. for an entire day is something that would never sit right with me. Because it's, is it guilt? Is it, you know, are you trying to get away with this? Like, I, I can't imagine... When it, what's going through an individual's mind after committing what is possibly an act of rage against your wife. I mean, talk about, you know, wrapping the telephone cord around her neck and putting his knee in her back. Like, that was rage. And then, yeah. I don't. I mean, I, to this day, I, I can't figure out, you know, you killed your son. He was innocent. And then you just yeah. sat there in the house 
that's I mean as much as we, we talked about CT and steroids like this was like the Molotov cocktail of depression rage violence and everything and it just blew up and it's like like if you guys know me like I always study human behavior that's everything I do it has to do with how people react and how they handle certain things for the life of me I can never figure this one out and listening to Jericho and Malenko and you know, Vicky talking about who Benoit was and, and, and Nancy's sister talking about who Benoit was. It's so crazy what a smiling picture can do. But what's behind that smiling picture is what you'll never know. And that's the scariest part to me. You never know what somebody's really going through. At all. And, man, yeah, just the little details. I, I think at one point they had... um like some of the officers working the case on there as well. And then they're just talking about like his, his searches, his search history during the one day after he had killed them. And, and, you know, just searching like a Bible verse about resurrecting the child. Like, do you have regret then? And then how to kill himself? Like, was he grieving? He couldn't live with like so much goes through, you know, just, it's crazy the the depth in it that'll just be unknown forever is crazy um but this is a story you know <laughs> after watching the first season this is the story we want them to tell and then they told him we're like shit yeah it was a lot like that was a lot like it, it it's crazy and how many other people affected around them and uh then you get towards the end and you see chris jericho and bringing david and his aunt back together and then watching wrestling together and Jericho talking to the both of them. And then to a point you made, and I'll let you kind of expand on this, but it's crazy how much Chris Jericho has seen, been involved in, and how much he's meant in general to pro wrestling. Yeah, I mean, I, we've talked about this when Jericho shifted AEW. We've kind of talked about this when he wrestled at Wrestle Kingdom. Chris Jericho's career as a pro wrestler, I don't think enough people really talk about his place on the Mount Rushmore because we make it really simple. It's, you know, before he said the N-word, it was Hogan, Rock, Austin, and then, it, you know, it was like either Brett or Sean, or it could be both of them. Yep. That was it. And then Cena, we, we, we've discussed as well. That was like the Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling. And when you, but you, when you look at Jericho, he's been in this game for almost 30 years. 30 30 years. Like, when we talk about Austin, yes, Austin has been in the business for a while. It's stunning Steve Austin from WCW and the short run at ECW, the ringmaster in WWE, and then Stone Cold took off. But when you really think about Stone Cold's run, it was like a, a fifth of what Jericho's run is. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Like, The Rock. The Rock, yeah, he had a great run, but it wasn't that long, right? Six years? Yeah, like, it wasn't incredibly long. Sean's was broken up into two acts while Chris was still wrestling. Yep. Brett got concussed by Goldberg and could never wrestle again. Like, what the thing about Jericho is, and we discussed this kind of last week where you talk about wrestling and you can leave certain people out. And like when we talked about The Undertaker, you can leave him out to tell the story of WWE. The thing about Jericho is he can tell the story of pro wrestling. That's what makes him different than just about every wrestler alive. He could be the narrator of these stories because he was close to the Benoit situation, close to Eddie, WCW, ECW, New Japan, AEW, and WWE. Yep. 
I mean, who else has got this kind of a track record? And I'm, there was somebody on my timeline when I tweeted about it said uh, he was never the guy, right? And true, while yeah. true to a degree, yeah. like even when he was, because I mean, dude, he was the guy who beat Rock and Austin the same night, right? Yep. But the thing about Jericho that sets him apart from everybody else is every time it felt close to his character getting stale, he revamped it and he gave us something else. Every single time. From the Lionheart, when he feuded with Dean Malenko, the man of a thousand and one holes. The way he sold for Goldberg in WCW. He was a cruiserweight in WCW. The stuff he did in ECW New Japan. Comes to WWE. The Y2J, the first gimmick with the, with the, the, the countdown and everything when he had his first promo with The Rock. One of the most memorable promos ever between those two. But then you look yep. at the run. The, the matches that he had with Benoit, Angle, uh Shawn Michaels, like who didn't this man have a great match with? See, I that's that's my only problem. And just to say this off rip, we've done our top five personal wrestlers of all time, right? Like outside of objective Mount Rushmore people, we've done favorite wrestlers of all time. Chris Benoit's or Chris Benoit, sorry, uh Chris Jericho has been at four, number four for me for quite some time. So, you know, Brett Sean, Eddie, Chris Jericho. That was my top four. Um, also, Ric Flair was like five. So, you you look at that top four. I always held Chris in that regard. The only thing that separates him from a lot of these other guys is that, to me, he doesn't have those marquee, marquee matches. I don't know. Because this is a tough one. Because with Jericho, it's... What's his best match? Him and Sean at Mania? Probably that was a. I mean, that was an excellent match. Like, and that's Sean's sixth, seventh. Like, you you see how like it starts. He he doesn't have the Brett Austin. He he doesn't have, uh, you know, Brett Owen. You know, <laughs> Brett Shaw, Sean Takers. He he doesn't have those matches. Uh, Flair Steamboats. And Flair Savage, he doesn't have those marquee, marquee matches. Well, so while while that's a f- even Cena has Punk. Sorry, even Cena has Cena Punk. That's like fuck. That match is just phenomenal. Like he doesn't have that. Well, so here's the thing about Jericho, and he's the model of consistency. And at a certain point, with consistency, character, ring work, yeah. So he do- he doesn't have a Flair Steamboat. I, even though I I do regard the Jericho Michaels feud is phenomenal. And I think a vast majority of Jericho's programs were always top notch. Jericho was rarely involved in a bad program because he was so good at carrying programs. Even when he feuded with Benoit, when he feuded with Angle, when they had the triple threats, when he feuded with Austin, when he feuded with Rock, like he, Kevin Owens, like, there is not a feud I, that he was involved in that he wasn't, like, the man that was making this feud fantastic. I, I still say to this day, WWE-wise, Jericho Punk might be my favorite Punk feud. Right, right. And it, it like, it would suck. <laughs> so and people here, forget about that. So here's the dilemma with Jericho. And this is where, like, where I agree with you that he didn't have the marquee match. I don't think Vince ever truly saw Jericho the way he should have saw Jericho. Because... The few like 
they put, he put him in the tusk when he won the uh, when he unified the titles and he wrestled Triple H at WrestleMania, which had to go after Rock and Hogan, which was a pitiful spot to be in. Everybody was sick of Triple H, but now he was a babyface to get the title off of Jericho. Jericho never had his WrestleMania moment, if no. you really think about it. And it, I, it, I don't it think should have been him, Kevin Owens. Right, but we talked about that. Like, that should have been the main event. That should have got, like, 25 minutes. That should have had all the juice in the feud. So, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, Vince, he's believed in Jericho, and Jericho's always been a good hand to carry, like, feuds and do everything else, but I never thought Vince saw him as the guy, and that's what's always hurt Jericho in that regard. But where I give Jericho credit to where, I, you know, like, Rock was always a WWE guy. Jericho has done this across multiple promotions. Like, Crazy. And that's the thing, like... Him going to New Japan, while we're still kind of in like the New Japan moment, if it wasn't for Jericho, that Wrestle Kingdom wouldn't have got the attention that it got. Because Jericho was the one that went over there and did that. And wanted to work with Omega. Like, Mm AEW, as much as we love the Bucks and Cody, it's really Jericho. More than anybody else has the crossover appeal to to bring people over. And the motherfucker's like 50. And still turning good, like he's not the guy who he was. But I can't say that I think Jericho's work now is better than Flair's work when he was that age. Wait, it's not better? No, it is better. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is better. Like I, I think, yeah, as in terms of the people who stayed around to be in their fifties, if you're gauging him on that scale, he's better than all of them. Like at, at this age, and still. And his matches aren't bad. To me, they're not great. But to have good matches with his ability to do promos, I think that's that's very, very valuable. And again, that's something, like you said, it's rein, reinventing himself, right? It's it's MJ learning the turnaround, jumper, because he can't jump out the gym every day every more, anymore, you know? Jericho's like, yo, I can't wrestle like I used to wrestle, but I can do these things. I can grab the camera. I can have a little bit of a street fight. I can be an asshole. I can change my character to make this make sense. He he's learned he learned the sky hook of, of pro wrestling. He he's learned how to adjust to his lack of athleticism perfectly. And I, I mean I've used this analogy before, but I mean could he be like the Bernard Hopkins of pro wrestling? I think so. I mean, he was so much better early on than Bernard, though, right? No, I mean, Bernard, I mean, he broke the middleweight record. Like, Bernard was good. Bernard was always yeah. good. It was just that Roy was there and was blocking him, right? Like, Roy was okay. in Bernard's way, and then once Roy was gone, Bernard was still here. Like, when Rock and Austin yeah. were gone, Jericho was still here. Like, shit, Jericho's feud with Cena was excellent when Jericho left the company. When Jericho came back to feud with Orton, with the, with, I mean, yeah. dude, the, the promos leading up to that? The, the the pop when he came back was huge. The Jericho save us? Shit, that was amazing. Like, I don't think we're going to really give Jericho his due until he's done and we reflect and we put all this body of work together. Because, not again, he, he was like in boxing, he was a guy who moved through weight classes. He was a cruiserweight. He was mm-hmm. a little guy, few and Malenko, having phenomenal matches. And Psychosis and Mysterio and everybody else. Now he's a heavyweight. He's, he's Pacquiao. Yeah, in that sense. Is Pacquiao the greatest ever? No. Is he top three of his generation? Damn right. Is he the best of his generation? No, he's pro- Pacquiao's behind Mayweather. Okay, so Jericho's behind Cena? It, but that's it? Yo. Right? He's really good. 
And when it, he's Pacquiao, like he's he's took a couple L's, but he's found a way. Pacquiao jump promoters, Jericho jump companies. Like I feel like him and Pacquiao, they're both still champions. This late, like I feel like it's a good comparison. I mean, he are they the best ever? I don't, but they're they're really really damn good. There was super J Cup footage from '95 in that documentary. Like it, it's insane what Jericho has done. Because not only like all that, like. When it hit me as I'm watching this documentary, because then you got to think there's Talk is Jericho, which has been great. Like, yeah, Malenko. I mean, yep. Malenko. He had uh, Matt Hardy on there recently. Like, obviously, he had Moxley on there. But when I'm watching the... The best theme song in pro wrestling. Do not skip over yeah, that. Yes. Sung by the man himself. I mean, and incredible. <laughs> but at, at the end of the... I'm sorry. If you haven't seen it, whatever. But at the end, him bringing together Nancy's sister and, and David Benoit, for that moment, and I'm standing, so so it had to happen around Revolution when they filmed that because he had the scar above his eye, the stitches. Yeah, I was about to say it was AEW. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, this had to be, they must have just finished this documentary, but maybe a month ago, because that, that scene, they're clearly at an AEW show, and Jericho has that cut, which was around the Moxie feud. But I'm watching it, and I'm going, yep. yo, this is like, the, a man that can do this, it's much more than just what you do in the ring. It's the things that he's done outside of the ring. And his influence on wrestling culture is incredible. Like, The Rock is pop culture, right? Like, The Rock brought it to the mainstream. And Stone Cold brought it to the mainstream. Austin, yeah. Flair was a wrestling guy who brought it to pop culture. But what Jericho has done through many, multiple promotions is unparalleled. Unparalleled. Like, I don't know what he's going to do when he's done. And who knows when he's going to be done. Man, I can't wait to see the story of Jericho. I can't wait. Is there is there any reason why he isn't the guy that, like, to me, after watching his documentary, after watching him, you know, with talent at AEW and what he did, because he was never afraid to put other people over. No. Hence Kevin Owens. Is there any reason why he isn't the Vince McMahon Triple H of AEW when he decides to hang it up? Business. How do you not turn the the keys over to him and say you are the guy that now okay everyone pitches this but Jericho signs off on it business how are you not that buffer with 35 years in this in this profession how are you not that guy for AEW how are you not their Vince McMahon in terms of everything's a good idea we have to run it through him first yeah it's, it's business that's it it's the business acumen. Like, Jericho doesn't strike me as... I mean, me, myself, um, I'm more of a creative guy, right? So a lot of things are, like, ideas, but it's, like, I'm terrible, like, paying my own bills. I automate everything. That's, like, who I am. And, like, Vince McMahon runs a business before he runs no, a... Not even that side. But, like, Gato style. Like, okay, how he, does he, he not be, book everything? He could be a main booker. But, I, again, but on yeah, the other side... Triple I mean, H. Triple H does that next to He doesn't do business. I, you know, Triple H books the I, I, I know that Jericho is good at booking himself. So, I don't, I, I'm don't. i not going to say he can or can't book anybody else. But I just know he's been phenomenal at booking himself. I don't know if he can do that for other talent. I'm not going to say he can't. He yeah. may be able to. Like, Gato's a phenomenal I, I don't know who else would. I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like he should be that guy for he that. He should. Like, if, to transition into the next role in life, I don't know who would be better as a company who doesn't have that. Right now, it's just everyone pitching everything. I mean, who knows? He might just be touring with Fozzie for the rest of his life. I don't know what Jericho's going to do. He could. Rockstar's tour forever. But, 
and I, I will be singing Judas if he goes on tour 20 years from now at 70 year old Jericho. He's just. I will be at the Fozzie show singing my my life away. Yeah, I, just ultimately, I mean, to put a bow on this before we start really talking pro wrestling, like Jericho's run is unparalleled. If you don't have him somewhere in your top 10, something's wrong because he's he's too good. He's been too he's been too important to this industry. If you watch pro wrestling, you know Chris Jericho. That's just who he is, and he's carried this stuff throughout his entire career. It's too damn good. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, top 10, yeah. Like, if it's not top 10, you got to you gotta reevaluate what you know about wrestling. Yeah. Um, as we go through, there's still so much to go on this season of Dark Side of the Ring. I have the whole lineup in front of me. Uh, we have New Jack, WWF Brawl for All, Jimmy Snooker, Dino Bravo, David Schultz, Herb Abrams, Owen Hart, and the Road Warriors, it looks like. Um, which one are you looking forward to most? Dino Bravo. Because... It's called the assassination yo, of Dino Bravo. Because the Dino Bravo story is one that a lot of people don't know about. For one, and I do. And I was like, when I was a kid, like Dino Bravo was like, I remember him feuding with Ultimate Warrior, and he was like this power lifter, and then he was like, he looked like a star, and then he just kind of disappeared. And he found out he was like involved in like a drug ring with like cigarettes, like a smuggling ring of cigarettes, and he got killed. Like the Dino Bravo story is like ridiculous, and I can't wait to see them play this out. Also, New Jack, because New Jack is absolutely fucking insane. And we gotta have oh, we gotta yeah. have him well, wrestling I mean, stereotypes. New Jack is coming. In. I, 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 look, look I want to have him on wrestling with stereotypes, but I'm also kind of scared to have New Jack on wrestling with stereotypes. Of course, because I feel like there's no gimmick there. <laughs> like, yeah, she could get real, real, like real quick, and you just be like, oh shit, like this took a turn. Like we're obviously not scripted. Like yeah. so, it's yeah, yeah. No, he's he's a frightening man, but it makes for good conversation. Um, I, I agree, those are gonna be good. After watching this Benoit one, the Owen Hart one drops, you know, jumps right out at me. Yeah, I just if don't know. If they get what... Brett. Well, yeah. That could turn If you get Brett, if you get other, because just seeing the people they managed to get, if you get Brett talking, talking openly and candidly about the night his brother, yo, that's it. You already got Jim. Jim Ross was on the call. Yeah, my only issue. Not, he had not to, to announce say, to the people that's going to be fucking crazy. Not to say that I don't want to see the old one, but I see. I feel like we've heard that story so many times. So I'm hoping that they can add something new to it, because like Jim Ross's podcast where he talks about the death of Owen. Like, there's been so many stories about the Owen Hart tragedy that I just need to see what they're going to add new to it. So I'm really curious what they can the, add to it. Oh, just the visual they paint, the the footage from the dungeon. Owen growing up with Brett, you know, just, just showing how tight they were, the stories, the the kids that can talk. If they're not in the W, Davey Boy Smith Jr., are you going to tie the whole family into it with the British Bulldog? Like, are, how do you play this whole hour out? Yes, it's you, you have people you can reach out and grab. Like, woo. If, if they do it like they do Benoit, that, that'll be something. Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, so that's, if they can get the heart, the rest of the Hart family, 
involved. It's just, it's a lot. Because they've talked about this so much over the years. But we'll see, man. But it's, it's the one thing that keeps me tuned into Vice because Vice really has nothing else for me to watch. No, nah, that's, that's about it. Um, we're going to talk about what's going on currently in wrestling. But real quick, we're going to pay the bills. You guys stay right there. We'll be right back to talk AEW, NXT, and WWE as we head on the road to WrestleMania, which is still happening. So you guys stay right there. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second. But first, we want to tell you, with no current NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. So if you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. All right, just that quick, we are back and we are diving into the weekly shows and a lot going on still in the world of pro wrestling that might stop in the near future but we'll touch on that in a second um aw still going strong on their weekly shows dre this past week i, I thought they continued their momentum from you know what it'd been like maybe the past month even longer yeah had another good show some good wrestling on there and a couple twists and turns we saw the in-ring debut of brody lee we saw matt hardy get his first feud ton of stuff going on and first let's talk about the mid card guys who we're always you know keeping our eye on because they're the future of this program and that's sammy Guevara, darby allen and jimmy havoc they all were in action and my only gripe is that they still just use a lot of these guys to feed to the main top of the card instead of getting them and telling their own little story and narratives with each other if they're gonna lose, let Darby Allen lose to Sammy, or let Sammy lose to Darby. Like, tell they started their program and then it just stopped. Well, I mean, Darby won, so he beat Kip Sabian. So Darby's the only one that won. But, and what happened to him and Sammy? Well, I mean, Sammy wrestled for the title against Omega. I don't think you could put Sammy Guevara over on Omega. I think he wrestled for a Triple A title. Yeah, it's still it's not their title. It's still a, it's still a title. Uh, I mean, I mean, look. I think the development of Sammy Guevara has been fascinating to watch because I think they're starting to realize what they have with him. Because mm-hmm. Sammy's a, a kid, for all intents and purposes. He's still young as hell. And if you've watched him from the day he made his debut to now, the character is really coming out of Sammy Guevara. So Night and day. He's a great asshole. Yeah. Pairing him with Jericho is great. He's been, he's been fantastic. Him kissing the Brandy poster... Was the cardboard cutout was amazing? Like <laughs> and her and her face was just crazy. And the fact that he was in there with Omega speaks. It says a lot because not he wasn't he didn't get squashed. Yeah, good match. No, he had, actually had a really good match. And I think Guevara is that guy that you look at and was like, yeah, when we introduced secondary title, him and Darby Allen are the front runners for that. Like those two guys. Like if they put an emphasis on the Intercontinental title, well, whatever they call this title, like they used to do with the IC title in WWE. It's a star-making thing for guys like Darby and Sammy Guevara. 
I think those two guys yeah. are fine. Jimmy Havoc, nobody gives a shit. MJF. Yeah. Jimmy Havoc, nobody gives a shit about Jimmy Havoc. I don't care about him losing to Cody. That's expected. But I'm fine with Guevara losing to Omega because he got the, the, the light. And Darby Allen's Darby Allen. The guy is super over. They just need to figure out when and how, because they can't do it now. It's kind of hard to introduce a second title. It's needed now. You've got the talent. Yep. And then, I mean, Orange Cassidy is another guy, obviously, in that mid-card that uh, is going to shine. I just want to see them win some, you know? Like, Darby Allen was the perfect example of let him beat a Kip Sabian. You know, let someone beat uh, Sean Spears. There has to be a babyface. Emmy Guevara could feud with and beat. Like, let them get a run of winning and not just challenging for titles to put them in good spots and saying, you look great in a loss, kid. Well, who, here's the question. Yeah, you could, but... Who do you put Sammy Guevara over on right now? I don't know. I don't know who they're under... Like, they're undertone babyface. Like, I think they're, gonna, they're um, still going to establish that. And I think... Goldust? I think it's too early to give Sammy... Goldust should be losing. Yeah, those. but I think it's too early to give Sammy a real push right now. Okay, I don't. I don't want a real push. I just want him to win a few. Like, um, I think in order to st- put him over on gold. I dust, think in order to right? establish him, though, he's gonna have to lose. I think that's the point. Like, in order to establish Sammy Guevara, is like you got to put him in a spot where he can shine but lose. Like every great talent loses. They start off then. then of they course. don't come in hot. I, I just don't want him to lose all the time. He won't. Can you give him the man one I, feud? I don't he think can he'll win. lose all the time before he turns into fucking Bray Wyatt. Just losing for three years. I don't think he, he's going to lose all the time. I think they're, they're figuring this out with Sammy, and they're putting him in spots to shine. Because he, yes. I trust him so far. But again, you can go from that to Bray Wyatt real quick, where you're in programs with top guys, and you're just losing to top guys. And Bray Wyatt looked great because of the gimmick. Losing to top guys, and you look back, you'd be like, what the fuck happened to Bray Wyatt? Yeah, but so, I don't see that. I'm just saying, like, let him beat up on some of the the other guys so you you have uh oh what's his face is a, a perfect example what's cm punk's old friend who from chicago Cabana. who's coming in he's he's Cole Cabana. have him feud with Cole Cabana. can can he beat colt but again that's a good guy for him to feud and go over the on. question is what do you and ast- then he can lose again to the top guy dude he'll get his wins like it's still early he doesn't he doesn't need to build a ton. We're a year in, and he hasn't gotten his wins. Uh, it is still We're early. We're not a year saying. in. It started in October. It's March. TV started in October. So we're not a year in. Start in October? Shit. Yeah. I, I was it hasn't been that long. Double or nothing. And, they're, I mean, obviously you're establishing all the other talent, but you're building with these guys. Like, when Triple H first... I like what they're doing. When Triple H first came in, he was a heel, and he would lose. He would lose... To, Constantly. Hunter Hearst Helmsley. But he won some. Yes, he's like he Sam, Golda, Sammy's gonna get his. <laughs> like, like Darby's been winning because he's a baby face. Remember, Sammy's a heel, and you can only yeah, have heels got to lose a little. Yeah, more. like he's a heel right now, and he's working with a bunch of guys, the inner circle, who are clearly established guys. Even Jake Hager, who I think is whack, and I, I'm now I'm at the point where I'm, I've grown grown completely weary of him. But you can't even like bury Jake Hager right now. It's like Sammy Guevara's got to be the guy to eat the pen for a little while. But in the interim, he's developing into somebody that people are going to want to see more and more because he's yeah. really good. I, I mean, I already want to see him win. So in turn, they're doing the right thing, right? Yeah. I mean, he's losing and it makes me want to see him win, even as a heel. So they're building him correctly. Yeah, he's going to get his. It's like, yeah, cool. 
Yeah, so I mean they're they're doing their job. I'm just making sure, like you know, sooner or later, let's throw the guy a bone. Um, but again, I I trust them. They haven't gone wrong yet, except for Jake Hager, who looks like they're going to feed him to John Moxley. Yeah, which is fine to a degree. Fine. Like, cause he's got to yes. lose. He's he's undefeated. It's like, yeah, let's cut this shit out. So he's got to lose to Moxley on like TV. Totally fine. It's the fact that Hager still has such a prominent role because I think. Eventually, you got to pivot. Got to change that gear. Yeah, well, the, the that, gear, is that gear is horrible. The gear is whack. But it's like some of these guys they sign into to AW's detriment. It's like Sean Spears. Yeah, he's not the guy. All right, uh, Hager's not the guy. So find. I mean, dude, I don't know because now you're. I mean, you, you just signed two big guys, Archer and, and uh, Brody. They're heels though. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know how you really get Hager out the paint. He's still like this bodyguard type. <laughs> And there's not, you know, it's weird. Aside from Luchasaurus, there isn't really any big baby faces. They're all relatively small guys. Not even small. They're mid-sized guys. There's no monster baby yeah, faces. Yeah, I mean, because no, because you bring in a lot of guys. Like <sighs> baby faces are just easy. I mean, uh, big guys are easier transition is monster heels, right, or just asshole heels. Um, yeah, I don't even know who they would bring in as like a big guy. Who are you gonna sign, Moose? Most would be a baby face, but he's better as a heel. Yeah, see, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, just, it's um, a weird spot for Hager. It's just, I'm tired of Hager. Jeff Cobb was was a possibility of a big baby face, but he only wrestled a one-off. But Cobb would fit that bill. Yeah, I don't know. It's, they don't have a lot of big guys. No, but Hager's whack. That's all. <laughs> it's just, oh, yeah, he's not good. That's the gist of no, what I'm trying to say. No Hager's whack. And he just does a dick punch now. It's, it's all bad. Um, on the other end, Brody Lee, in-ring debut. At first, he had the promo where he was kind of being like the asshole Vince McMahon character, which is funny. Um, I thought that was okay. Sooner or later, uh, the Uno guy has to take a step back to let Brody take his step forward, right? Yeah. Um... Still, still a lot of Uno. Like, if Brody's the exalted one, he's the leader, you gotta let him be the leader. It's, it's still a a very uno centric thing. I think the bigger issue here is that this dark order just ain't it. <laughs> it's still not working. <laughs> it's still not working. Yeah, and it, the character is too I thought at first the gimmick would be too close to Bray Wyatt's, but to Brody Lee's credit, he has made it even in 2 weeks different than that. Um different type of cult leader, businessman masquerading as Coley. Completely different character. I don't know how that fits him, per se. Um, but he, he's tried to make it better. Yeah, I, I don't know where the Dark Order fits in. I mean, Brody Lee won and put the Dark Order mask over the guy. But then, they go on Twitter and on YouTube. They still build a ton of their shit on YouTube. Um, but you look at that and it's a lot of Evil Uno doing the talking and signing and sending out the... It's too much evil Uno now. Like, you you got your leader. Fall back. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like the ring attire. Um, no, that was weird, right? I feel like the way AEW tried to do, and it worked to a degree, it was the bait and switch, right? Like, they teased that it was going to be Matt Hardy. That's how everybody kind of looked yep. at it. And then it was like, boom, Brody Lee. And now I'm watching it, and I'm like, I'm going to give it some time, but I, like, I'm tired of the Dark Order. I'm going to give Brody Lee time. <laughs> the, uh, but I'm looking at it I'm like, damn, I kind of wish that Jake Roberts managed Brody Lee and <laughs> Lance Archer. 
I felt like those two would oh, be fantastic. Like monster team. Yeah, I thought those yeah. two would have been great together. Like, damn, that's right. You know, it's like when I saw because Archer and because Jake, I, I love Jake's promos. It's just the way it is. And Jake sitting in front of the campfire and talking about basically, you guys are too pussy to sign my guy. So just meet me somewhere yeah. so we can fuck you up. It's basically Jake's whole promo. Like Jake's. A- I like. Listen, I, I'm not the biggest fan of the old people. You know, being paraded around as managers, but Jake has done well in his role. Better than Arn, better than Tully. Jake has kind of grabbed this by the balls and run with. Yeah, so it, that I, I've loved that. I feel like, man, it was. I would have felt so much better if I saw Brody and Archer together. Like, I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah. Even if they weren't a tag team, it just felt like Brody being the guy who's just a big monster who's brought in by somebody who's a psychological monster in Jake Roberts and you got Archer and the, him together fine because this dark order like I, I couldn't get my eyes off of the ring attire like I was looking at that shit I was like man this looks horrible why is he wearing this black and purple right you know yeah it, and like, Brody's such a great it, worker too it just it just it, I, it was distracting I I would like to see him even better like you know how he was in the promo with the suit yeah if he just came in, like you know, business like, took off the jacket, took off the shirt and tie, just whooped ass in the in the, in the suit pants and his boots. I mean, anything. I don't know, man. This dark quarter thing. Like, is just... like just play on being the boss, right? It's kind of like uh, the boss from video games. Yeah. Like you, if you're your boss in the thing, cool. Let me just loosen this fucking tie, take off this white shirt. Time to whoop your ass. And uh, yeah, no, that would play better than this weird. Yeah, leotard. Yeah. So I I don't know. Um, and then Chris Jericho, being Chris Jericho, we talked about him, sung his praises, cut a promo on Vanguard One, <laughs> which is hilarious. I saw him today on Twitter cut a promo on his Roomba, oh. which was equally as funny, just fucking berating his Roomba <laughs> and how untrustworthy it is. So uh, cuts the promo on Vanguard One, and then Matt Hardy shows up and he does his teleportation. You know, like, give me all the weird shit. I'm here for it. The weird shit is almost equal to the flippy shit in my mind. People are complaining about the quality of of the the cutting between the tra- yeah. teleportation. It's fucking teleportation. <laughs> George Lucas isn't directing my pro wrestling. What do you want it to look like? You want it to look like believable teleportation? Like, what is this a thing? Yeah. So, no, I don't care what the hell it looks like. I got the gist, and I liked it. It's supposed to be a little cheesy, too. Like, you know, Dawn of the Dead cult-ish. Like, it's, I like that shit. And I think he brought that out, and I like him feuding with Jericho. Yeah, I, I'm on the same boat here. It's like, when I saw it, I was like, this is supposed to be... I mean, come on, guys. If you watch Broken Matt and TNA, which me and you, we didn't really catch on until a little bit later, it was corny as fuck. And it was supposed to be that way. And so, people who are upset and they're like, oh, Matt's just going back to the broken gimmick. The broken gimmick was the best shit he had going for him. Like, this was never, ever, ever about Matt Hardy's work in the ring. It was never about that. It was about this character and how much fun and ridiculous this character was. Where Vince went wrong is that he stripped him of the broken gimmick. When he just brought back the fucking Hardy Boys, who were no longer the Hardy Boys because they, they can't do the shit they used to do. Matt can't walk, barely even walks like he used to. But you stripped him of his character and you turned into some goofball shit. In AEW, he's yep. broken Matt again. And I can appreciate that because it feels like that's what he wanted to do. And let him have yeah. fun with it. 
this, I, I love this promo. And Jericho being Jericho cutting a promo on a goddamn drone. Come on, man. It's supposed to be ridiculous. The teleportation was supposed to be dumb and campy. I love this that's shit. It. Like, that's like watching an 80s horror movie and be like, man, this special effects suck. Yeah, like, what's wrong with you? You gotta know what you're watching. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't... I, again, it highlights how many people have only heard about the TNA run and never watched the TNA True. run. True indeed. So the, this mythical broken mat and delete, 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 like... Okay, a lot of you saw this come into WWE, or maybe just saw it into ROH, right? And and heard of these mythical things. You watch the one thing on YouTube where, you know, Final Deletion was overly produced, mm-hmm. and, and a lot went into that. So you watch that. So it was a little bit better than this shit, but still, the weekly was a lot of this. Yeah, it was goof shit. Because you can't pump that money and that time into the weekly. It was dilapidated boats, Senor Benjamin. It was him working shit from around his house. It's ridiculous. And that's what we want. Dolo. So, yeah, like, yeah, people are a a little bit too, um, I don't know, too critical of this. And, again, they're not doing it on the main, at the top of the card, which is key. Yeah. It's just something fun to keep you entertained. It's not mid-card. It's not top of the card. It's just corny shit. But fun. Like, it, it, it's it's in a world of its own. And then you still get the Moxley feud. You still get the Omegas. You still get the Cody's. You still get all that shit. The, the pack. You get all that at the top. Let Matt live in the middle. Yeah. And just do his thing. Totally fine. And Jericho, he's about to go on tour anyway. Fuck it. Let him have fun too. Let him get to he carried him. the belt for it. Yeah, he carried the belt for eight months. Let the man have some fun. Exactly. So, yeah, I have no problem with that. Um, switching gears to NXT, we had NXT TakeOver happen, or excuse me, uh, NXT Weekly happen, preparing for what was supposed to be TakeOver, which is now just going to air the next two weeks on television. Um, It's weird because we've talked about this several times, so we don't have to spend crazy amount of time on it on the build and how they're building towards takeover. I think this is a blessing in disguise because the build for a takeover wasn't there. But to just blow these off on television and reset and build correctly for what may be another takeover in June or July, I think this is as good as it could get for them. Because this build now fits on TV. It made it a little weird to call it takeover. That was your point for WrestleMania, right? Like, yo, don't call it WrestleMania. NXT was fucked up. They're not calling it TakeOver. They're going to blow these off on TV and then start new food, new feuds that they can tell correctly. I think it's a blessing in disguise. Yeah, because I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with NXT. I can't figure it like out. We, we talked about it last week. You know, I feel like everything pivoted. But like even watching this, this week's NXT, I was like, this is so weird because... Like, okay, Io Shirai came back, which is dope, because I love Io Shirai. Uh, that women's match might be the best match of the night. Yeah, well, that's the issue. It's like, Austin Theory losing to Tyler Breeze, I found it to be odd, because I feel like you're supposed to be pushing Theory. Unless you're going into a feud, okay, that's fair. Um, but I think Theory has something. I don't know if they're going to figure out how to tap into it. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Malcolm Bivens, the former Stokely Carmichael. I mean, <laughs> Stokely Carmichael. Um debuts with a tag team that looks like a mashup between the Ascension and the Usos. 
And commentary doesn't even really put him over when they beat up on Matt Riddle. It was really weird because if you if this was a plan all along to debut these guys with Malcolm Bivens, and because uh, everybody's been waiting for Malcolm to debut because his Twitter is amazing, there was yeah. like no fire there, and I don't even know what they were trying to accomplish with that. It was such. I, I think a they'll weird build thing. on that. So you got to. You got to give that time. They're supposed to be big and mysterious with Bivens just yeah. um, putting them over. I mean, but they also have that. It, he's going to be the small guy with the loud mouth with a bunch of giant monsters. Have you seen the other guy he manages in NXT? Yeah. The uh, Umbatu or what the fuck is that guy's name? Big as shit. Um, the big ass dude. So he he manages him as well big tall ass dude and he's crushing shit he's going to be a small guy with a stable of giants and these are just the first two to roll out yeah but these two and are I like it <laughs> like this that's my problem it's like these two can they wrestle I, I don't know the thing is is that when i saw them i was i immediately thought i was like this is the the uso sension like i was like what is oh, this? i thought they were aop it, but that's my point. I just thought AOP. They come out and it's like they look like they look cheap. And I don't, I, I, I'm not, this is nothing that has to do with them. It's the way that they were presented. Like their ring attire, like w- jumping Matt Riddle, the way commentary sold it. Because Malcolm Bivis is amazing. He's great on the mic. It just, this felt really well, odd. He's going to be great no matter what. Yeah, like, okay, so he has a seven foot three giant, Jordan Omagbehin. Which they need to debut sooner than later. Yeah, but that's his other guy in, that he's been managing on the road. And then he has a light-skinned brother that he also manages, which I'll find his name shortly. So he has a guy who's like 6'8", 7'3", and then these two big guys as a tag team. When you have a stable of them four, I think eventually it's going to get pretty impressive. I, I hope, I'm just saying, I hope so. I just don't know how they're going to handle this. So I, I just thought that... that particular running with riddle wasn't sold very well by commentary maybe they'll build upon it later um what else was there uh the the promo at the end with triple h and gargano and champa i'm just i'm not into this shit i thought it was wild. you're over that feud i really I, I, am. I thought it was i didn't think it was good I thought it was man. okay like it's not the way to close the show like um it's it's okay i i'm more concerned like Again, I'm glad that it's not called a takeover, but you you know you get Keith Lee with all this momentum, and then it's back to the Dijak feud. Like what? I, I don't uh, know. How many times can he beat Dijak? Like, uh, okay, so you throw in Punishment Martinez, but I mean, Gee, thanks. Fuck it, it's Punishment Martinez. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Keith Lee's not dropping the belt. No, and he had all this momentum. Give him a worthy feud. Keith Lee versus Roderick Strong would have been a better feud. Yeah, dog, I'm just saying, like, ultimately, with... Because I'm not going to blame the coronavirus on NXT's shitty booking lately. I'm not going I'm, to I'm no. give it that easy now. Because if they did have a takeover, this was the route they were heading. They were heading in this direction. Yeah. Which is bad. I don't understand why. They have way too much talent. Oh, it's because they... I'll tell you why. It's because they had, they thought they were doing a smart thing by not piggybacking on Royal Rumble. But it came down to, we still need to sell these damn tickets. So then you built, you quickly built feuds for Worlds Collide, which was a great pay-per-view style event, right? Mm -hmm. 
transitioned into building feuds for a takeover four weeks later, and then in five weeks had to build feud for another takeover at Mania. So you have three shows in three months, three pay-per-views in three months. That's not how NXT operates. It's never how they have operated, and that short window fucked them up. And they don't have pre-taping to fall back on when they have to do this now. So now you have to do this week to week, and it caught up to them too quick. I don't know. And they had to just continue the feuds from the last takeover. This is nothing but a continuation of the last takeover. I don't know. I, I don't even know if I could say that because, like, Worlds Collide was really, like, a one-off. It was a bunch of matches that didn't really establish yep. any feuds. But it took time. If that was takeover, they then have 10 weeks to build something. You, you know what? But you're right in that aspect because NXT has always n- never had shit in the way of their booking their takeovers. Like... Worlds Collide was it? See, it, like, the strange thing again. It's weird because why, it's like Fastlane. That's why you hate Fastlane. Yeah, but why? This was like Fastlane. Why did they even have to do a Worlds Collide and then a takeover? I they got too smart for the room. That is the question. You got too smart for the room. I, I didn't. I don't know. I don't. I don't get what they're doing with NXT right now. Like I have my theories, but but. It just feels like... But that's what messed them up. Yeah. that That is the hiccup in the plan. That's what threw all of this because, off. Because, I mean, you, you I don't know what we're working towards now. Because, yeah, we're, it's like clean up on aisle seven. Because once this shit is done, we gotta you got to reset. Now, at the end of all of this, clearly we got Killer Cross coming. I hope they keep his goddamn name. Because they, they ran the, the promo vignette at right oh, they're at the not, end. They're not? They're not going to do Killer, though, Man, right? If you don't do Killer Cross, what the fuck is the point? I don't know. He was Kevin Cross for years I in F- know, FSW. But Killer Cross still is dope. sounds so much better, and why can't you do it? I don't think you can do Killer. Why? I don't, I don't There's know. There's no reason. PG. They did Killer Kelly. They can do Killer Cross. There's really no reason. I mean, <laughs> if you're going... Because you, that's what really ended NXT, which means that you're bringing him in as a big deal. And if you bring in a murderer named Killer Cross that just decimates people... So it it just yeah. it just sounds really good, and he's really he's good. fucking up Keith Lee next week. I hope not. I think it's too soon for all that. But I don't know. He's fucking I, up I, Keith Lee. There's only so many baby faces, especially solo. No, baby you can faces. kill Kushida. Keith Lee. Or 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 he's gonna kill Tyler Breeze. Or, so you want to know why Tyler Breeze beat Austin Theory? It's probably because Tyler Breeze will win three matches and kill across. I'm just saying, kill. there's Kushida. There's so many guys he could beat up on. It yeah. don't need to be. He's gonna beat up on Tyler Breeze then. How about I don't that? Know about he's Tyler. gonna beat up on Tyler Breeze. That's why he. Won. I, don't, I don't know. I'm just saying, just debut a killer, and I'm fine with that. It's NXT. It's yeah. not Raw or SmackDown. You could do Killer Cross, but ultimately, I felt like this NXT show was kind of spinning its wheels because nothing really. I don't know. They did like a weird tag match with that guy who was on Raw and they were like, they tattled him from NXT. And I was like, I've never seen this fucking guy in my life. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no. There was a, there was. Is he the one who lost the. It was a tag match. Aleister Black? No, I was a ta- no, not the match that they duplicated from main event, which was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> beat for beat the same. Well, it was great when I first saw it and then you ruined it. You ruined the fucking kayfabe for me. <laughs> Yo, if anybody watched the squash, squash match from Raw. It was the exact match that was on main event like three days earlier, which is unbelievable that they thought nobody would notice this. Unbelievable. But anyway, no, there was a guy, dude, he was in a tag match on Raw. Oh, my God. I can't even remember his name. And he ended up on, they was like, he's on NXT. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And then he shows up on NXT. And it's like, he's having this fantastic run. He's going to be on all the brands this week. 
Who the fuck is this guy? And I don't even, I still don't know who he is. And I refuse to Google him right now to just show you guys how much I don't know who this fucking guy is. And it wasn't Tino Sabatelli. Who the fuck was it? I don't know. But he was on both shows and it was a useless tag match. Like, I feel like everything in NXT right now is just kind of existing. I don't, I don't get what they're doing. Oh, um, you're talking about what's his face? He used to be in uh, The Mighty Don't Kneel. It was Shane. Okay, so Shane Thorne, but it was the other guy. Not Shane Thorne. Who do you tell? No, it is Shane Thorne. They cut the other guy. No, no, because it wasn't TM61. It was Shane Thorne's tag partner is the guy that they were talking about was so impressive. Somebody's going to go on Twitter. Oh, I've never seen that guy before. That's my point. They, They talked about him being on NXT, and I was like, I watch NXT. I've never seen this guy before. And all of a sudden, he's like, yeah, this album, dude, what are you doing? What What is NXT doing right now? I don't know. And then, I mean, we can shift to Raw and SmackDown. Uh, look, Seth, like, I think one thing that the WWE probably learned, and we all saw it too, maybe you guys should do mm-hmm. promos backstage without crowd involvement and noise because Seth Rollins probably cut one of the best promos of his entire career. On Kevin Owens. Oh, easily. oh my God! You the backstage one or the one where he's no, walking around? The one where he where he comes out and talks about everything he's given to the to WWE and NXT. And yeah, that. and he was walking yeah. around the ring. Yeah, yeah, that was incredible. With no, but incredible. with no crowd, it made it so much better. It hit so much harder, and Owens had no comeback because Rollins was right. It was an unbelievable promo, and I'm sitting there going, "Man, they should do a little bit more of this shit." Because then Randy Orton closes the show with an equally impressive promo. That promo he cut on Edge was fantastic. I didn't get everything. How many other wrestlers have had last names and accomplished what I accomplished? Yo, he was so much on the money with that shit. Orton was great. Like this, that was the only thing. I re- but then, then we had the Shayna Baszler Becky thing, which I was like, "This is stupid." Because Shane is talking to Charlie in a dark ring for... I don't know why it's not why it's so goddamn dark. There's nobody there. And then Becky, like, sneakily gets in the ring and cracks her with a chair. That's a heel move. Why do... I don't... That's the only thing I didn't really understand when it came to promos. Oh, that was dumb. But everything else, like, Orton, Orton <laughs> and Rollins were fantastic on Raw. They were really good. Oh, so good. And then now they're building a feud around no belt. Kevin Owens always gets stuck in this, right? Like, yeah. you get stuck into heading into Mania. They they actually gave him time to tell this story. They've now removed the other just bullshit assets around them. So it's just those two. Rollins held the belt for like eight months, had a boring-ass run with it, drops it, developed his new character, and now he should be champion for Kevin Owens to chase and to beat. And it's for nothing. Absolutely nothing. Wow, but yet Goldberg is a champion, and Kevin Owens like I can't catch a fucking break. Yo, that that's Goldberg every time. Every time I I I end up in a dope feud with some dope promos and dope payoff. Goldberg is holding one of the titles. This doesn't make any sense. He got to slap Goldberg. Yeah, he does. That's that. He got he got to slap. Yo, Goldberg. so the, before we get out of here, there's, there's I want to talk about the fact that they added Aleister Black and Bobby Lashley to this card and how disgusting that is. Why? Why? Bobby Lashley's going to lose. But why is he? Why? Usually, okay. Because you got eight hours. Listen, like, it's two nights. You don't need to do it. One, you don't need to do eight hours, right? You just don't. It's completely unnecessary. Two, usually, like, somebody pointed it was like, well, what about those fuse that they had at WrestleMania, like, six? Dog, this is WrestleMania 36. Relax. You got more than enough talent 
to give me an established feud that culminates at WrestleMania. Bobby Lassie and Aleister Black have had zero interaction. Ever. Meanwhile, Cesaro doesn't have a match. Daniel Bryan doesn't have a match. Sami Zayn doesn't have a match. Yet, maybe they'll book something at the last minute. Wait, I thought DB had a tag match. It's not on WrestleMania yet. They haven't announced it. No, DB, oh, DB is going to have a match because this week it is Gulak versus Knock. And if Gulak wins, okay. DB gets the challenge for the IC Against title. Sami Zayn. So it's going to be... Yeah, it's going to be DB versus Sami Zayn, which is one hell which of a is match. great. But here's my point. Cesaro not, Cesaro not getting a match at WrestleMania, but Aleister Black and Bobby Lashley randomly getting thrown on WrestleMania is a travesty. Yeah. Because you could, I mean. I mean, let's not talk about Cedric Alexander, who damn near gave his whole jaw. Yeah. What? To the WWE last week in a, in a great tag but match. But, dude, Rick, him and Ricochet. And then him and Ricochet don't got shit. They're not do. doing anything. Like, that's my point. Like. You could have done Aleister Black and Cesaro and done something. Like, give me something. Like, dude, Bobby Lashley. I'm okay with knocking Cesaro not doing anything and just wrestling Cedric and Ricochet. I'm just, I'm, just for the fuck I'm of not it. okay. I'm, I'm <laughs> just, just not okay with Black versus Lashley for no fucking reason. You have way too much talent yeah, that you could have established. Give me anything. Now, that being yeah, said. No build. Poor Rusev. Again, That's what I think I'm going to say this shit every week. Where the fuck is Rusev? <laughs> I, can't, I don't understand this Poor shit. Rusev. It's like Rusev... Listen, Rusev had... Rus, look, Rusev had the Cena feud because he had that monster run. Runs to the buzzsaw named Cena at WrestleMania. Loses. Rusev does the League of Nations shit, which was whack. Whatever. Rusev does Rusev Day. Gets super over. They squash it. Then Rusev has this the shittiest angle ever. He made he made lemonades out of shit. It's not even lemons. It was total shit with Bobby Lashley and Lana, and he was still super over main eventing Raw, and people still love Rusev, and now he's gone. I can't for the life of me understand this. Why do they do Rusev so good? Rusev and Cesaro might be the two most underutilized talents in WWE right now. Sami Zayn was as well. But now he's at least the champ. Yeah, now it's finally seen. Yeah, like they've at least given him a belt finally. Jesus Christ, man. Rusev is, it's never been a time where Rusev has not been entertaining. And he can work. Why is he not wrestling? He just vanished from TV. I don't get this shit. He had a program as the babyface where someone took his wife. <laughs> and it just ended. Made her, made him a cuck. Then turned his wife lesbian. And in the end of all of that, he is the one left without the Mania match, and the black man who stole her is on Mania. And, 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 I don't and get like, it. There's no payoff for the baby. My, my theory on this to, right now, like this is my epiphany, is like all this shit was done to put Liv Morgan back on television. Because I can't figure out why they did any of this. It's like they did all this to get Liv Morgan into a lesbo angle that they never discussed again. What, what if I told you that in Vince's mind... The guy being cuckolded is the villain. Man. Deep thinking. <sighs> Maybe Lashley was the the baby face all along. Oh, man, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I, I don't know, man. Vince is a it's weird just, fucking it's really, guy. It's a trap. Like, as, good as, as good as Rusev is. They put so much time into yeah. that angle. Months into that angle, and it disappeared in a second. I don't, I don't get it. I, I just, I don't get it. 
He's ne- there's not been a time where I've seen Rusev on my television like he's not entertaining. He's always entertaining. Then like certain yeah, other guys have just pl- flat out disappeared. Remember that guy Shorty G that I told you it was over when they gave him that gimmick? It's over. Yeah. Over. Sheamus came back to squash him and Apollo Crews, Sheamus is gone. I don't I have no idea what the WWE is doing right now. This is so random and then they, after all of this like you you try to establish something with Shorty G, Mysterio is just mysteriously gone. Um I mean, he's older. He should be. Yo, just but he, he should be. But uh, unless we get the Mexican I'm just saying, faction. Like, this random-ass tag match for the titles with Street Profits against Andrade and Garza, like, it feels... It's so... It has no heat. But it, it's just here. Meanwhile, it's like, why did you bring Sheamus back to television? I WWE does this shit a lot. They bring a guy back. They do something with, like for two or three weeks, and Vince is like, ah, I don't got shit else to do with you. Go home. I don't get it. I just... I don't get what they're doing right now. Why did they even bring Sheamus back? For what? That's a good question. Like to beat up Shorty G? Chad Gable? Chad Gable was hot for the hottest of hot seconds. And it's over. Dude, at WrestleMania, we're getting Elias versus Baron Corbin. Are you fucking kidding me? Baron Corbin will forever be pushed. <laughs> and after following him on Twitter and watching his barbecue segments, I'm, I'm done complaining about that. Like, I'm team Baron Corbin. You seen this motherfucker barbecue? Well, they have a cooking show. Boy. Boy, that man can make a mean rack of ribs. I'm just saying. I am Team Yo, Corbin. Ha- have a cooking <laughs> show. Like, him and Elias is a few that I'm looking at like, I don't want to see these two work. They- Ricochet's not wrestling at WrestleMania. Remember what I told you about Ricochet? It's over. It's done. Ricochet yeah. got a title it's match and lasted all of like three seconds against... So did Kofi. Give him Kofi time. was champ. He won the title. It's Ricochet true. hasn't won shit. Listen, man. Don't ask me. Like he's, dude, he doesn't have a match. He's not doing anything. This is whack. Garbage. Yeah. Let's see. Well, WrestleMania technically occurred last night. So it is all filmed. It's all wrapped. We'll see what matches we have. Uh, NXT is wrapped. I mean, pretty much. Are you avoiding spoilers? As much as I can. Because I'm trying to actually watch this shit. And I can't watch, like, I can't watch it and know what happened. It'll just completely ruin it for me. So, yeah, I'm going to watch yeah. this shit blind. Please, like, dude, WWE, please. Keep all that shit yes, away from man. us. Like, you guys pre-recorded this. You, The WWE shouldn't even announce that they pre-recorded it. They shouldn't have said shit. That's where they fucked up already. But I think people would have worried when the it came into effect that Orlando was closing everything tonight. That is true. Um, So, <laughs> people would have fucking panicked. I think now, at least they know, okay, we're going to get WrestleMania. Just, you know, you got to take this shit to the grave. Is some blood in, blood out type shit. Like, no one can leak anything. But we shall see. People already claim to know what happened. Like, whatever. I don't want to hear any of it. We'll go in blind and, you know, I'll just leave disappointed. I'll just leave disappointed. <laughs> well, disappointed. Uh, you know, I mean, actually, my expectations are low. So I think it's only going to exceed my expectations. At least I have the Edge Orton match. I'm assuming Orton shows up. We'll see. That that might be a good one. So I don't know. We'll see how that goes. That's our show for this week. Thank you guys for listening along. Hour and a half. It was long, but you guys ain't have shit else better to do anyway. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this. We'll be back next week to talk more. We're covering MMA and boxing to start out the week. <sighs> John Jones news. <laughs> 
So that's always fun. It's like deja vu. Yo, so I say, yo, you think the world's really changed? No, man. I'm still doing dumb shit. Oh, still, still riding around like DUIs are legal. Go fuck the bottle open in the in the passenger. Um, yeah. So we got John Jones talking about next week. Uh, we'll talk more hip hop and current events. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore me at Cal Dansby him at Andreas Hale. Until next week, though, we're out. Peace. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.